My name is Lee Hansen, and I'm on staff here full-time with CPC as the Associate Director of Commitment Class. And eight months ago, I walked through these doors, kind of a stranger, and at the end of the year, which happened very fast, I sit and I look out in the congregation and I see all sorts of faces, and I look at my students here that I've got to walk through with this year, and I know their lives, and I know their stories, and it happened so fast. These moments, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or a staff member at that church that maybe saw them be baptized when they were this big, it came so quickly. Wednesday night, I dismissed them to their small group, and Rich Fino and I sat there, and I, we both kind of teared up. I don't think I was, I was ready for the end to come so fast, but it sure has been a great year. I grew up in Edina, and I did not go to Edina. I went to a little school called Benild St. Margaret's. No need for the hissing. And when I was 16 years old, all I wanted was a red Audi A4. <laughs> Pretty reasonable, I thought. If only I had this car, then my life would be so much better. Think of all that extra horsepower I would have to just nicely merge onto the freeway. That nice, comfortable ride as I drove over those potholes that will eat your car on Hennepin and Lindale. Wouldn't even feel them. You know the ones. I was convinced that if I had this car, then my life would be so much better. Now, something you need to know about me and the staff here has come to know quite well, I don't always prepare for things the best. I'm kind of a last-minute type of guy, and yesterday I was supposed to be here at 3.30. I was in my bed till 1 writing this talk. And so Friday night, I went out to celebrate with a good friend of mine, Mandy, and her husband, Austin, uh, turned 23 on Friday. And so we went out to uh, this place in St. Louis Park. Maybe some of you have been there. It's called Cooper. And we were having a good time, having some appetizers, and I went to use the restroom. And girls, this is a little education for you. In front of men's restroom urinals, there are always advertisements. Traditionally, they're around things like golf uh, or... Alcohol is a big one, and also they're about automobiles. And so I'm, I'm using the restroom, and this sign is in front of my face. <laughs> and I just thought, how perfect. If I wasn't sure that this is what God would have me share today, that's when I knew. But it got really weird when I pulled out my camera in the restroom with all these other people and started taking this picture. I'm like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'm giving a sermon this weekend. It's just going to be a slide. It's not a big deal. Whether you're aware of it or not, we live in a world full of these if and these then scenarios. We spend countless hours running through our heads, if only fill in the blank, then my life would be so much different. And maybe it's not a red Audi A4 for you, but tell me if any of these sound familiar. If I just had a little bit bigger of a house, then my problems would be solved. Or if I just had a little bit more money, a little bit bigger 401k, I'd be so much more at peace. If I just had a different job or better clothes, how many of you resonate with this one? If I just had an iPhone or an iPad, then I could certainly be a bigger part of solving the world's crises. Or maybe a little bit more personal for some of you. If my wife or if my husband would just, and you can fill in that blank, then our marriage would be so much better. 
If he didn't or if she didn't say that, then. Or if my mom and my dad just weren't so strict, if they just understood me, then my life would be so much happier. If this boy or this girl would like me, or if I could just get in to this group of friends, then my life would be so much better. And if I stop and I think about these statements, and if you stop and you think about these statements, do we really think that a house or more money in our bank account or a certain friend group is really going to give us what our souls are craving? And furthermore, I wonder how different my life would be. I wonder how different this church would be, your marriages, your relationships with your folks would be if we just shifted our focus a little bit and came to understand that what our hearts and our souls are really longing for is to know Jesus more and to know Jesus in a different way. And I wonder what our lives would look like if our hearts sounded maybe a little bit more like this. If I just understood grace a little bit better, then. Or if I just had passion for unity in the church like Paul did, then. Or if I just had the zeal to know Jesus like Peter did, then. Maybe our lives would look a little bit different. We're in this series of speaking out of the book of Philippians, which is a letter that Paul wrote to a group of people, a mixed group of people just like us, young and old, Wealthy, not so wealthy. And this group, this hodgepodge of people, had all sorts of questions running through their heads about how their lives might be so much different. And so we pick up the text in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And I chose to speak out of the message because I think that whoever wrote the message did a fantastic job of summarizing what Paul was trying to get across. So listen to some of these questions that Paul's asking. Paul says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Then agree with each other. Then love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way up to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And one of the things that I think is so creative and so insightful that Paul's doing in this passage so subtly is he's so framed a set of invitations and questions that's encouraging this body of believers, this group of people, to take a long, hard look at their lives. Inviting them to a better life, one like Christ's. We live in, an, in a world that's very focused on external things. And when I say external things, I mean behaviors and the way people look and saying the right things or not saying other things. And I see in this passage a very internal motivation from Paul. Paul doesn't seem to be concerned with all those things that I think the world and sometimes even church wants us to be concerned with. 
Paul's concerned about things. This list of questions that Paul asks are only things that Jesus can do inside of your life once you know him. A couple weeks ago, I was teaching a Bible study to our senior class here. And I was studying this concept of sinlessness because it was, it was tripping me up. Because in the Bible, I hear about sinning no more and all these things. And I know I love Jesus, but I know I make a lot of mistakes. And so I wanted to understand this concept more. And I came across this quote. And this quote says, righteous conduct is not a condition to knowing Christ, but a consequence of it. And in this statement, I find a very internal statement. What, what this author of this quote is saying is that we don't have to have it all figured out. Being perfect and having it all together doesn't come on the front side of knowing Christ. It comes because you know him. When you experience the gospel and you experience this person of Jesus, everything changes in your life. And that's how you become the type of person that we all hope to be. Because I really truly believe if we focus on the externals, We're interested in managing our behavior. And hear me very clearly, Jesus has no interest in managing your behavior. He wants to change your life. And so again, it brings us back to the passage. Paul talks about the things, the participation of the Spirit. Having a spirit of unity. Paul talks about if we have a changed life, if God's changing our heart, if we've experienced his love, all internal things that only God can do. And he says then, then we will produce a spirit of agreement. Then in this body of believers, we will experience genuine love. Then is how we can count others as more significant than we count ourselves. Because church, I really believe that we can't expect this place, this group, this body of people to be something that we aren't willing to become ourselves. And we can only get there through knowing the person of Christ and understanding the gospel in a way that we may not today. When I read this passage, I really believe that Paul was looking for the right results. And to get there, Paul was asking the right types of questions. He wasn't focused on external things and stuff, but he was focused on a group of people, a body of believers just like me and you, that wanted to figure out how to follow this rabbi inviting them to take a long, hard look at their lives and their hearts and their road to Jesus in order that they might become nothing short of the men and women that God was calling them to be. And because they were becoming these men and women that God were calling them to be, that this church, this body of believers, would come nothing less than the place that God intended it to be. After reading this over and over, it seemed so obvious to me. Hindsight's always 20-20, isn't it? How I end up, how we end up where we do so often. And I truly believe it's because we're so focused on the wrong things. And it's so easy to ask ourselves the wrong questions. And so I wonder, what are the wrong if and then scenarios? What are those scenes that you keep running through your head? that you might be asking yourself. Are we concerned with the cares of this world? Or do we hunger and thirst to know Jesus better? Do we just want life to be easier or are we longing to do whatever it takes to know holiness? 
Do we consider others more significant than ourselves or are we constantly worried about getting to the front? And congregation, as we gather to celebrate and as we gather to welcome in a whole new generation of the church, of our future leaders, may we be encouraging, may we model, and may we be the types of people that are asking the right questions. And commitment class of 2011, may you be a generation that's so tuned into Jesus that at a very young age, you begin asking yourselves the right questions that will in turn lead us, lead this body to be the body that God's intending for us to be. Pray with me. Jesus, I believe it's our desire that we would become the place that you desire us. Nothing more and nothing less. And I do believe it's these students that can take us there. I believe you're changing their life and I believe you want so much more. And so come around us as a body, come around them as a class. Protect them, guide them, and lead us.